once again to more than a storybook. Our purpose is to deepen our understanding of the Bible, showing that the Bible is more than just a storybook. This is Chad France and Josh Woodruff, and today we're going to discuss the story of Jacob and Esau. Uh, family troubles, if you will, between two brothers, and the whole family got involved in it. And it's a sad tale of some of the things that happened, but we can learn a lot from the mistakes that these men made, and we can make many of the same mistakes ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see this line of Abraham, Isaac, and then Isaac's sons typically is not uh, that great, but God still works through them. Uh, again, we will be talking about this conversation and looking at many of the overlooked and whitewashed uh, parts and a lot of the rougher edges of this family dynamic. So join us as we look at our Bibles and open up your own if you have one. If you don't, you can download an app or just listen. And again, feel free to pause to pull that up. And finally, tell your friends. um, If you have been listening to this and enjoying this podcast, share it with your friends um, so we can get the Word of God into more people's hands. And thank you so much for listening. So we're going to start out reading in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19, going to the end of the chapter. The story of Esau and Jacob. Genesis 25, 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel the Aramean of Paran Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, and they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Thank you, Josh. And as we approach this passage, we see the beginning here in chapter 25, verses 19 through 28, the beginning of this family. Uh, two children are born, Esau and Jacob, to Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. We learned about last time how Isaac was almost sacrificed by his father Abraham, but then God provided. And so we see the beginning of this family. 
But not only do we see the beginning of a family, but we see the beginning of family issues here in chapter 25. At the inception of the birth, the Lord tells Rebekah, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So there's division between these two nations. And we see in names, Esau was hairy. Jacob is one means takes by the healer. He cheats, which is he's grabbing Esau's heel. There's one really telling thing, though, that happens that is going to lead to issues later on. In verse 28, it says this. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Right away, these parents pick favorites. Uh, Isaac loves Esau. Rebekah loves Jacob. They choose favorites amongst their children. And this is the beginning of the family issues, the issues that are going to persist for years for this family. Isaac continued having a preference for Esau. Rebekah continued having a preference for Jacob. This doesn't go away. We're going to see that in chapter 27. And this issue of parental favoritism is troubling. Um, most of you listening are youth. Imagine in your family, if your mom and dad shows favorites amongst you, how that would work out. It would cause problems all over the place. And you would probably resent your sibling that was favored by the other parent. You might resent that parent that uh, favors that other sibling. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's important for parents to love their kids equally. The good news is that God's going to use all of this. We see here in this beginning God's plan and what he promises. He's going to use this. This is part of his plan. And he's going to use the favoritism of the parents and what happens with the kids. It's part of his plan here. you have any thoughts on this beginning part here, Josh? Yeah, it's interesting. Even just the uh, promise of the Lord that two nations are in Rebecca's womb. These twins that will be fighting over and over again. And that the older, which was Esau, shall serve the younger, which was Jacob. And we see this conflict developing over and over again and in coming weeks we'll see even more of this conflict but it ends even um, in the prophet Obadiah if you guys want to look at that it's a really interesting read um, Obadiah being a prophet speaking to the nation of Edom or Esau's descendants and talking even about the conflict that was going on then and prophesying Edom's end we see this promise that these people will be divided and that they will be struggling against each other will continue on. And we're just, like Chad said, seeing the beginning of it right now. And the other thing that is really interesting to notice is Esau is presented kind of in an animal-like way. Um, he's known as being hairy, a lover of red meat. And as we will see later, he's kind of impulsive. Um, and that's just a really interesting thing to keep in your mind as we read through this. But it's not only Esau that has some problems. We see that with Jacob as well. Yeah, exactly. And Jacob has this cheating. It's in his name. And so we'll get to that now. We get to kind of the turning point in the story. We have the beginning. We have the turning point. I like to call this section trash over treasure, putting trash over treasure. So looking at verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. 
Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Hmm. Now this passage is crazy, okay? First of all, we do see Jacob's name being true. He cheats his brother. If he were a truly loving younger brother, what would he do? He'd give his brother some stew. The guy had been out, you know, in the field. He was tired. A loving brother would be like, here, have some stew, man. I care about you. Eat up, you know? But no. Jacob, being a cheatful, you know, sneaky guy, is like, ah, here's a chance. He's like, hey, uh, yeah, you can, but give me your birthright right now. A birthright, for those of you that are listening that may not be familiar with that, uh, in ancient times, the firstborn would receive a birthright upon father's passing. Sometimes it would be given earlier, and it would be extremely advantageous financially, position-wise, property-wise. This is a big deal to give this up. And Esau, though, he is foolish. Jacob cheats him, but he's foolish. He despises his birthright. He picks a pot of stew, just a transitory passing pot of stew over his birthright, which is far more valuable. And we see this mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament talks a little bit about Esau and the choice, the decision that he made here. And it says this, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You see, Esau, in the moment, his belly was full. He was happy. But then, as he became hungry again, as life went on, the reality sunk in of the gigantic mistake he'd made of giving up his birthright for a single meal. A lack of self-control is what we see with Esau, and that really characterizes him in general. We'll get a little bit more to what verse 17 of Hebrews 12 mentioned of him regretting what he'd done once we get to chapter 27. But this is a major turning point. God predicted that Jacob would be on top, and now he is. He's getting the birthright. It's a sad passage. What do you have to say about this, Josh? Yeah, we could oftentimes look at this and see, oh, Jacob was the good one. Esau was the bad one, right? Um, Esau was the one who was stupid, who gave up um, basically his prime spot in his inheritance uh, for a meal. And we think, oh, good for Jacob for getting that from him. But is it really good that Jacob was able to manipulate his brother in this way? As Chad touched up upon, no, not at all. We could think, you know, maybe Esau deserved it, but that's not how we get blessing from God. I mean, as we've been talking about with Abraham over and over and over again, right? Um, doing something like this, taking God's blessing into your own hand, trying to find creative ways to bring God's blessing upon you doesn't really work out well. And we see, as we will see um, just in a couple of minutes, that it destroys the family because of Jacob's manipulation, probably aided by um, the parental favoritism that sadly I'm guessing some of you guys are dealing with right now. So we see both of these characters as deeply flawed, right? Deeply. And yet God, we see, will still work through them. Yeah, this is not, not good at all. And it doesn't shine good light on either of them. So what happens next? So what happens next is the aftermath of all this. In fact, if we go over to Genesis 27, um, we see 
a long story, which we will not read all of. We see this story where, I'll start off in verse 1 and just walk through certain parts of it. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you there before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you, go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, but I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself, and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So what we see here is Isaac, once again, he loves his son Esau. He wants to bless his son Esau before he dies. And he wants Esau to receive good things once he's dead. Rebecca, though, prefers Jacob. And she wants to set things up so that Jacob gets this blessing. So what she ends up doing is she makes the food. She puts the skin of the goats on Jacob so that he feels hairy because Isaac was blind. And so Jacob goes in and how the story continues is Isaac doubts it a little bit that it's Esau, but he feels him, smells him. And he's like, the voice sounds like Jacob, but uh, this is, these are the hands of Esau. So he blesses Jacob instead of Esau. And then Esau, he was still out in the field. He comes back. In the middle of chapter 27, he's hunted game and he brings it before his father. And if you look with me at verse 31 or verse 30, we see this happening. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father, Isaac, said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightfully named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Well, Isaac does not have a blessing for Esau. In fact, Esau in a way receives a curse of sorts in verses 39 through 40 about serving his brother. And so we see this really difficult passage, the aftermath of all the things that happened before. The parental favoritism continues, the deceitfulness of Jacob continues, and the sin of Esau has fully caught up with him, and it's tragic. Josh, what are your thoughts on this passage? Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy just seeing the pure manipulation by Rebecca. I mean, it almost brought chills to me 
reading her say, um, let your curse be on me, my son. If Isaac, if Isaac curses Jacob because he cheated, his mother or Jacob's mother says, yeah, that curse will be on me. Like she hates Esau that much and loves Jacob that much that she would take this great personal risk in order to do this. I mean, I think it's pretty hilarious that Esau is so hairy that they literally take a goat and put it on <laughs> Jacob and it fools his father. Like, you know, that's the appropriate amount of hairiness for my son Esau. <laughs> that's, that's just kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah, you smell like a dead animal. You must be Esau. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, but yeah, this bitter rivalry is great. Um, and not great in like, oh, this is such a good thing, but great as in so dramatic. Now, this blessing that we uh, are talking about is more than just a, hey, I hope things go well for you. But in those days, blessings, especially ones given by fathers to sons, were typically like the last words of the father. And typically, they actually meant a lot. And God would use those blessings as ways to guide how these sons were treated. We see um, later... um, in the Bible, blessings given from Joseph to, or from Jacob to all of his sons. We see blessings from Abraham to Isaac. We see blessings just all around with parents giving their kids blessings. And it meant a lot. This was more than just a, hey, I wish you well, but it actually had true deep impact on how they lived their lives and how they viewed each other. So, I mean, we look at the birthright, that was huge, the first spot in the inheritance. And now this blessing being um, something that is truly impactful for the rest of their lives as well, both being stolen by Jacob. And that's exactly what happens. And this is obviously God's plan from the beginning because it was predicted and prophesied before the birth or at the birth of Isaac and Jacob that Esau would ultimately serve Jacob. And now we see that not only does Jacob have the birthright, but now he has the blessing And within that blessing is a curse from Father Isaac to Esau that Esau will serve Jacob. This is God's plan. But someone might look at that and go, well, that's not really fair. Esau was totally, you know, from the beginning, things were determined for him. Was that really fair that God would do this? It is fair. Look at the life of Esau. We see in Hebrews 12, he was unholy. He was a man who ultimately lacked self-control. He traded trash for treasure, giving up his birthright for a pot of stew. Um, Not only that, he also had poor choice in women. At the end of chapter 26, we see in verse 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah, to the point that at the end of chapter 27, verse 46, Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite woman. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? He chose really poor women to be his wives and they made life miserable for his family. His family had a pattern of marrying from their homeland and not from people of the land, which is what God desires for the people of Israel after this for good reason. And so Esau was just kind of a loose guy, you Mm -hmm. know, not a real moral man. And so this was deserved. Esau, though, regretted this, and we see that in Hebrews 12. I want to focus on that really quick. Verse 17 brought this up earlier. It says there that 
in verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. I think we all can relate to that. When we sin, and our sin catches up with us, and there's consequences for it, we regret it. But we have to deal with those consequences. We can't turn them away. It, it is what it is. God forgives those of us that come with confession and repentance, but that doesn't mean the consequences of what we've done are gone. If you murder someone, say you get saved and you're repentant, that doesn't mean that your jail sentence is going to go away. You know, Esau finds that out the hard way here and has to deal with the consequences of his sin. And I think it's a valuable lesson for us that our sin does catch up with us. Mm-hmm. Jacob, too. We haven't seen it yet, but his manipulation, his cheating, oh, is it going to catch up with him? He's going to get a taste of his own medicine, yeah. and we'll see that next time. Mm, yeah, that, that'll be a fun uh, and crazy story. Um, but more on Esau, I mean, the stuff that happened here, the impulsiveness and the manipulation had true lasting impact. Because even after he married these two um, really ungodly women from an ungodly people group, he saw that it displeased his parents, and he thought, you know, I'm going to do that more. My parents didn't treat me well, so I'm going to mistreat them even more. So he married another um, woman from an ungodly people. Actually, someone from the family of his uncle, Ishmael, Abraham's son, um, the son who God did not choose, the son who Abraham had out of faith of God. And he continues to provide that. But we see even just kind of as a extension of the curse in Genesis 27, 40 on Esau, which that curse says, by your sword, you shall live and you shall serve your brother. Um, Obadiah, the book of the Bible on Esau and Jacob in their um, situation, continues that and says in Obadiah verse 10, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, Esau, and Esau shall be cut off forever. On the day that Esau stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off um, Jacob's wealth and foreigners entered his gates, you were like one of them. The house of Jacob, in verse 18, shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, but the house of Esau shall be stubble. That this promise continues on way further than just Jacob and Esau's relationship now. But this curse goes on because of how Esau acted for much longer. And that is such a warning to us. And I think as we move on to the conclusion, right, um, we can take countless warnings from this passage. And what are some of those, Chad, as we close up? Yeah, I think the first one is the importance of self-control and not putting things that are trash over treasure. You know, Esau learned the hard way that putting something temporal like a bowl of soup over his birthright was foolish. But we do that all the time. Especially if you're someone that claims to be a Christian, you have the greatest inheritance, a much greater blessing and birthright than Esau. As a Christian, you have been given the gift of eternal life and eternal relationship with God. But you know what happens? So many times we see little worldly pleasures floating around and we'll disobey God. We'll scorn our inheritance and go after that sin. And that's a tragedy. And we can only expect, like Esau experienced, consequences when we do that. God will forgive us as we confess and repent, but it's going to cause problems in our relationship with the Lord, our daily life. And so to me, that's a great lesson for us from this passage is the importance of not doing that. Yeah. And I'm going to say something here that might make people mad at me, um, choosing trash over treasure. 
The Bible tells us that we should not forsake meeting together, right? Especially for temporal things. In a way, we should not miss church for temporal reasons. But something that I have seen over and over again, um, especially when I was growing up and when I was in youth group, were people skipping out on church and youth group because of sports or other activities. They would come, instead of going to church, they would go to away baseball games. Instead of going to youth group, they would be at football practice. Now, sports are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a huge sports fan. But where's the priority? Are you choosing sports, something that is temporal, over the eternal relationships that you will build with other believers? Where's your self-control? And I know this could strike a chord and make people pretty mad, but who are you prioritizing? God or athletics? Who are you prioritizing? God or video games? Which again, I like video games. So no shame here, but where does your priority lie? Are you putting trash over treasure? The other thing that I see when I look at this is God works through sinful people. Was Jacob innocent? No. No, by no means. He was really a pretty terrible person. And yet God still worked through him. And as we've talked about before, that's an amazing encouragement for us, right? Because am I innocent? No. Ouch. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not innocent. And yet God can still work through me. Chad is not innocent. Payback. Um, And yet God still works through him. If you mess up, if you cheat someone on something that they deserve, God can still work through you if you turn to him. God can still grow you like he grew Abraham. Like we'll see, he will grow Jacob. God can work through sinful people, through messed up people, which, oh my goodness, are we messed up too? Yes, we are, and that is so encouraging. That God doesn't just throw us aside when we mess up, but God, like a good father, opens his arms and says, come to me and I will be with you still. Anything else, Chad? Another thing that I think of is the importance of treating your family the right way. You know, uh, Jacob was not loving toward Esau, nor was Esau toward Jacob. And the parents making the mistake of choosing favorites. You know, we need to love our family members. We need to treat them the way we want to be treated. Jacob wouldn't give his brother a pot of stew when his brother was starving. You know, that shows just an extreme lack of love and manipulating him the way that he did. And so I think it's really important that we evaluate how we're treating those around us. It's really easy for us to get comfortable with family and not treat them in a loving manner, but we need to treat them in an honorable, loving way. Mm. And the last thing is self-control. You know, that's the major theme with Esau. The guy lacks self-control, just cavalier, just getting married randomly. And then especially what he did with his birthright, he lacks self-control. He was an unholy man is how he's described in Hebrews. And I think that a lack of self-control is at the root of a lot of our sins where we do not have enough control to deny our flesh and we give in. And I think as youth, especially many of you are youth listening to this, it is so easy as a young person to lack self-control and think, oh, it's okay right now. I'll take care of that when I'm older. No, right now you you need to grow in self-control. It's critical. Or you may very well end up like Esau, Mm -hmm. losing a lot of things because of your lack of self-control. 
Many people have. Yeah. Yeah, this is a powerful story. Um, as we look through it and see all the, again, messed up family relationships, people treating each other terribly, and yet God still having a plan through this family. But as we end, I want to focus on Genesis 27, verse 41 and following. Verse 41, after all of this happens, because this is not the end of the story. It says, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother, in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. We see that Esau is so mad at Jacob that he desires to kill him. Family relationship is not good at this point. And, you know, we're kind of going to be jerks here and end it here and save the rest of it for later. But we're actually going to be, for the next two episodes, talking about the aftermath of all of this. What happens when Jacob flees? What happens when Jacob and Esau meet once again with all of this bitterness and hatred and malice towards each other? Anything to end on, Chad? I believe that's a great note to end on. And with that, we thank you for joining us here at More Than a Storybook. And this is Chad France and Josh Woodruff signing off. And we ask you if you have any questions or comments, something you'd like to share with us about this episode, you can reach out to us at cfrantz at sbcnb.org. That's cfrance at sbcnb.org. And we look forward to having you join us next time for the next installment of More Than a Storybook with exactly what Josh described, a really exciting and tumultuous aftermath of this passage today. So thanks for joining us. See you guys next time.